thing is, we were brought up and we looked after our things, clothes, anything. Every time we moved, we would take it with us. But you didn't wear it or you didn't use it. There comes a time when you say, right, out. And that's what happened. I think we all have too much these days. Those were wise words from my mum, who I decided to bring on for Season 1, Episode 8 of Quest for Freedom. Because this topic and this podcast today is all about the art of minimalism and freeing yourself from stuff. And if there's one person who knows how to do that, it's this girl. So I think it's a really important topic because whenever I am offloading stuff out of my suitcase in my life, I feel so much freer. I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulder. Which brings me to Christmas time last year when I gave my sister and my brother-in-law the Christmas present of my time. And what I said I'd do for them is help them clear out their garage. Now, I have to say, their garage was a complete and utter mess. Like, there was so little room in there. There certainly were no cars. There was just all their stuff. Now, Xander has three kids from a previous marriage, and now they have uh, my lovely little nephew, Morgan. And so, as a family, you do absolutely need more stuff. Uh, I can't take that away from them. I know I see people with babies and they're like, oh, it's just every time I go out, I just have to bring all this extra stuff. So I feel for those people. I haven't yet experienced that and I get it. But this garage was a piece of art. I mean, there was every single thing in there that you could possibly imagine. So they were thrilled, needless to say, that that was my Christmas gift to them. So in January, we set about uncluttering the garage. And I wanted to bring up something that was the first thing I noticed. I think Debbie was well and truly ready for it. She'd been attempting to get Xander in there to do that, but ultimately a lot of this was his stuff. And I think it's one of those jobs that you can't take it on by yourself. You've got to do it as a team, or you've got to do it as a family, or you've got to bring friends in. And when we started, I knew that Debs would be okay with being a little more ruthless with stuff, but I wasn't sure about Xander. And it happened pretty early on. I'm sure he's fine with me telling the story. But I was starting to take stuff out. So we had the back of the car that we we're going to put stuff in. And everything was going to go in there. And we were going to take that down to the tip. And I started moving stuff out. And I just checked with Debbie and Zandra. I was like, you know, is this okay? And this. And they're like, yep, yep, that's okay. And then I started moving bits of <laughs> planks of wood and jib board. And Zandra's like, oh, hey, where are you going with that? And I was like... I was going to put it in the back of the car to take to the tip. And he's like, yeah, 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 but I'm going to make something out of that. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I didn't realize, what, what are you going to make? Well, I might be doing one of the cupboards for downstairs. Um, I was thinking about, you know, using it to make a perfect uh, cupboard door piece. And I was like, okay, well, let me just ask you a question. How how long have you had this piece of wood? Uh, about four years, says Zander. I was like, okay, and so when were you planning on doing this? He's like, well... Yeah, and just in that moment, there was this beautiful moment of realization or recognition in his eyes that he was, in fact, being a hoarder. And I wouldn't say they're the top definition of a hoarder because even though I do not watch TV, I've seen the ads for, what's the TV series program? Like, hoarders, probably. And uh, those people live, you can't even get in the door of their house. They live on piles of junk and rubbish. So this is definitely not where they're at. But 
many of us have a hoarding mentality and it really comes from just not wanting to let go of things that could be precious, that could be valuable, that you might do something with in the future. But let me just push back at you if you're one of those people going, yeah, Natalie, some things you just want to hold on to. Unless you are going to use that thing within the next three to six months, why on earth would you store it, keep it and have it cluttering up your personal space? I'm just going to let you ponder on that. Why on earth would you keep something that you are not going to use and serves no purpose other than creating clutter in your living space? And so after that, the really great thing that happened is that amazingly, Xander kind of turned completely around and started being really ruthless with stuff. So there was an initial pushback and hesitation and a real desire not to let go but once he realized what he'd been holding on to he actually really got into it and as the day progressed we spent a good couple of hours in this garage he was like throwing stuff in the back of the car and I was putting stuff aside and he's like nope that can go that can go and it was so liberating and we then went down to the tip and what was even more liberating is you drive your car up and the trailer as well and then you get to chuck stuff off the side, you know, into this sort of pit of things and then they either sort it, recycle it or take it away to go into the mound of dirt and create a big rubbish heap on some poor hill. But it was really, really liberating. We also took stuff down to be recycled and you get some money for that and it was crazy actually how good that felt. And we went back and we did another load and slowly but surely, this garage started to emerge. Corners of space and pockets of space started to emerge. Now, here's the funny thing is that was one Sunday afternoon. And then I believe I came back a couple of weekends later because it's a bit hard to tie in with the family and things going on. And it had already sort of started accumulating more stuff. But all of the stuff was things that they had now sorted out in the house that they were going to take to the Salvation Army or they were going to put on Trade Me, which is the New Zealand equivalent of eBay or Gumtree. And so the cool thing is, is that they kept at it. Like they didn't just stop there with the momentum and motivation I provided them with, they kept on going. And they made several hundred dollars, if not, I have to check in with them, thousands of dollars selling on Trade Me some of the stuff. A lot of that stuff was children's stuff that wasn't needed anymore or baby stuff that could go to another deserving family. And all it took was that effort to start taking the photos, documenting and putting out the price and the descriptions on Trade Me. Turned out Xander had a bit of a knack for selling things. So it was excellent. Now, the cool thing was not only were they decluttering and getting a greater sense of freedom and space in their house, they were also making money. And let's face it, everybody likes to make money. So this was brilliant for them. Now, right about the same time, and this is why I find the start of 2017 was kind of, I mean, it was fantastic and it's been one of the best years yet. But in terms of a time of change, it was for the entire Sisson family and the Rock Evans family, which is now my sister's side, it was one of those times of just everybody kind of decluttering. So as my sister and Xander were attempting to get things out of the garage and out of their house, mum was attempting to downsize the four-bedroom family home that her and dad had been in for 15 years because she was getting ready to sell. Now, dad passed away in December of 2015, and mum just did not need to be living in a big house anymore. And mum is not a hoarder. In fact, she's amazingly 
minimalist, really, at the heart of things. She buys quality things, and she's done an incredible job over the years for our family of doing up houses beautifully, but always with quality in mind. However, Dad was a bit of a hoarder, so the two rooms, or the two spaces in our house that were the most cluttered were Dad's office and the garage. You know, man's a man cave, man cave full of stuff. And Dad would, bless his soul, keep even rusty nails in jars. Like he sort of had a place for everything, but it wasn't super organized, but he kept everything. And I used to remember as a kid growing up, no matter where we lived, mum would go down to any garage and say, oh, Peter, could you try and clean up the garage a little? And it was just incredible. He just had so much stuff. So I knew they were going to be hard for mum. And I I came over and, and helped out as much as I could to really go through a lot of stuff, letters, cards, boxes, files from years, if not decades, photos, um, projector slides, all the stuff that you hang on to and, you know, you keep because you think one day you're going to pull out the projector and you're going to go through slides from like the 1970s and 80s. For those of you listening and you do it, you know it. So I challenge you to get the projector out and have a projector movie night and then either get rid of them all or get them put onto digital format so you can have them on your laptop and eventually print them or do whatever you'd like. But basically out with the old, put it into a format that's accessible at any time but doesn't take up space and move on. Okay, so back to mum's house. So we have mum downsizing and generously gifting to my sister and I things that we would absolutely need. So linen, towels, kitchenware, etc. And at this point, as you probably know from my changing plans episode, Josh and I hadn't actually bought the house yet, but we were looking really seriously. So mum was making decisions based on the fact that we might end up with a house rather than both be living in suitcases. So to her credit, she held on to things that we may need. And she sort of split up a lot of the stuff between my sister and I. And... (laughs) What happened is all the stuff that Debbie and Zandra had been clearing was now getting filled up with trips from mum and her house with stuff that she was giving them. So every time they got rid of something, there was more stuff coming in. And I felt like it was the same for me. I mean, I don't own much stuff, but even in my two-bedroom apartment in downtown Wellington, I'd accumulated a little bit of stuff to have it fully furnished for myself and when I rented out. And But I also had about four boxes at my parents'. And those four boxes were everything. My life packed up into four boxes. Or so I thought. As it happens, and mum was going through more and more of the house and I was there with her, she was like, Nat, I found this box of your you know, clothes or your school gear. And I was like, ah, oh, damn. And then she's like, oh, I found a bag of your motocross gear from when I used to race motocross. And I really never wanted to get rid of my helmet and my motocross pants and top and the shin protectors and So I was like, ah, damn. So every time I'd go up to help mum declutter, I'd end up coming home with more stuff, which I would then have to sort through, get rid of, give to the Salvation Army or downsize. So you can probably imagine on this side of the world, well, currently in Bali, but at this time it was New Zealand, I just felt like as a family we were (laughs) were doing this cyclical give stuff, receive stuff, get rid of stuff, sort stuff, sell stuff. It was crazy. So I was selling my stuff on Trade Me. I was listing some of mum's stuff on Trade Me. Zander was helping out. And then there was a big garage sale where mum made like $850 in half a day and huge. Also, she had to downsize her house in three weeks or less once she actually got an offer on it. And here, in her own words, is kind of this whole process for mum on, on really downsizing a lifetime. Let's talk about how it felt to downsize and move out of a very large house 
four bedrooms and all your and dad's stuff for the past 13 years. No, for the past 47 years. Oh, that's true, because you've been in the house for 13 years, but everything you've accumulated. 15 years, actually. Oh, Mm. I should get my facts right. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it's... it's, uh, I just felt sick. It was too much. Yeah. And I think the thing nowadays is less, definitely less. But you also, you don't want to throw things away that your children have given you or presents and Christmas, birthday or whatever. But there comes a time when you think, oh, what am I going to do with this? Where mm-hmm. can I put it all? Yeah. And I certainly had to downsize to a two-bedroom apartment. And I feel I still got a lot, but mm-hmm. I'm keeping... The best, the very best, but even that I feel I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel lighter now that it's all done? Because it was quite a process, wasn't it? Yes, yes. But I could still lose a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think you Mm. potentially have. I mean, you've held on to the lovely stuff, as you said, and part Mm. of that's your identity and Mm. what you've had in houses Mm. for years and where you've beautifully It's what you worked for, it's what you wanted. But even that has changed these days. What we enjoyed was antiques, crystal, lovely prints of the olden days. Mm. That's all gone. Mm. People don't even want it. Antique dealers don't even want it anymore. Yeah. But I think it could all go around in circles again, and one day it will. Mm-hmm. But who wants to keep it for that long? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you want to um, talk about how you even started on the process. So obviously you put the house up for sale and then you got in... Oh, I started way before. I went through wardrobes and drawers and, yeah, I did a little bit every day Mm. or every second day at least and uh, a lot of it went to Salvation Army Mm -hmm. and hospice and places like that. And it comes a time where you just get rid of it. And then when you got the offer on the house, it was actually, we, we made it a pretty short turnaround time, didn't we? Because you wanted to be in your new Because apartment. I was coming over to Bali, yes. So it was mm. three weeks. Mm. And so you'd done some of that sorting beforehand and you'd started downsizing and taking things out of drawers and... Going through linen cupboards mm. and just knowing I won't need this, yeah. you might need it. <laughs> the yeah. other part is that in our days we used to entertain at home. Mm. That's changed. We go out into a restaurant nowadays. So you have all these lovely dishes that cost some money because mm. you want it to look good that you don't use either anymore. It's just all changed. Did you actually yeah. have a process that you the, were going The through? thing is we were brought up and we looked after our things, clothes, anything. Every time we moved, we would take it with us. But you didn't wear it or you didn't use it. There comes a time when you say, right, out. And that's what happened, yeah. Mm. I think we all have too much these days. I agree. I use one dish, one plate, one cereal bowl, one mug (laughs) at the moment because it's just one. But even if there's two, you don't need much. Wise words from my mum, Gina Sisson, I thought. And I credit her so much in my life and that I really love being a minimalist. And, you know, my sister and I differ a little on that. My sister's super creative and so she loves a lot of artwork up on the wall and I think she's got tendencies to be a little bit of a hoarder and she's cool with that. But the point here, I guess, for all of us, every single one of us, and for those of you listening, is every three months do 
a reconnaissance of everything that you own and ask yourself, do I really need this? Is this better off in somebody else's home or hands? Could I sell this and give it to a more deserving person who needs this right now? One of my best tricks that I've learned is that if you put something away in storage that you're just not prepared to give up, if you have not gone into that storage locker or that space or whoever you're storing it with, in six months' time, then you need to get rid of it. Because if you do not miss something and use it every single day, it is very likely that you do not need it in your life and it is weighing you down as a sense of stuff. Now, one of my good friends, Joshua Becker, over at Becoming Minimalist, talks a lot about this. And here's a short excerpt from a TED talk that he did on this very topic as to the benefits of becoming minimalist. Out of the corner of my eye, I see my son swinging alone in the backyard. And suddenly I had this further realization that not only was everything I owned not making me happy, even worse, everything I owned was actually taking me away from the very thing that did bring happiness into my life. And not just happiness, but fulfillment and purpose and contentment. This is a very different realization, and I think it is the very foundation of minimalism. The, the very foundational truth that would cause anyone to intentionally own less stuff is this reality is that not only are our things not making us happy, they've actually become such a burden on our lives that they are actually taking us away from the very things that we would prefer to be living our life for. And the final thing that I'm really, really weary of is cluttering our new house. Josh and I both made a very conscious effort and pact with each other that we are not going to fill this house with unnecessary stuff. So first off, mum has kindly gifted us all these amazing things, including a beautiful old vintage dining room table, a dining room cabinet, a cabinet for the lounge, a king-size bed, which will be now in our bedroom, and some chests of drawers and lamps and some kitchen stuff. All of those things we actually need and now means we don't need to go and purchase them brand new. We can recycle, we can reuse, and we can keep these beautiful pieces in the family that have been part of my life for so long. The next part that we've been doing is I have become a bit of a trade-me addict and we've set a budget and we've actually listed out on a spreadsheet because we're a little geeky like that, all the stuff that we need versus what we'd like in the future. We've listed those out, so it's by order of priority, and then we've put next to it guesstimates on what we're sort of prepared to pay or budget. So we did a quick look online as to what things are going for, and then we put in what we think we'd be prepared to pay. And now we're playing a little game. So I love bargains, and I love getting a good deal, and I love negotiating. So I'm setting out to become the trade me queen, and I'm finding incredible things, because as you know, the saying goes, one person's junk is another person's treasure. And just like we've been doing as a family for the last two or three months of this year, other people on Trade Me are getting rid of things that they've long held in their family or in their house and finally have just decided to release and let go of. And so I have picked up the best bargains. I got the piano. If you listened to Changing Plans and you heard me talk about the piano that I thought I missed out on, would you believe that lady had... No luck with the person who bid and won on the auction and beat me in the auction. 
they flaked on her. And so she actually texted me while I was in Bali saying, I can't believe it's happened again. Is there any chance that you would still like to buy it? And I was like, yes, done. Put the money in her bank account. And she sent me a check saying, thank you. You have restored my faith in humans. So I got the piano and the piano stool and sheet music for $150 for this beautiful old vintage piano, which I'm going to polish up and have tuned. I bought an entire bedroom set of furniture Granted, a little bit retro, like a round mirror, a chest of drawers, another chest of drawers, two bedside tables, and a headboard for a hundred New Zealand dollars. Even if it is not great, it's going to be a bargain, and I can paint it, and we can use it, and then we can always resell it. And I'm just honestly having fun. I also bought two single beds, including the mattresses, the frames, and the bedside tables. Pretty funky for like four hundred dollars, and I just love this because. Why do we always buy new stuff? I mean, granted, sometimes you just want new things. Like you're not going to buy secondhand underwear or lingerie. I get that. But why do we have this incessant need for new? I personally love reusing and recycling. You get some incredible, sturdy, quality crafted pieces of furniture, ornaments, if you feel like ornaments, lamps, all sorts of things for so little because people just, you know, don't see the value in them anymore. And yet, to me, they're incredible. I bought a five lights with brass stands for $100. And you just wait. You wait, Enriagans. You just wait. I have no idea what that's from. Is it from Oliver? I think it is. I am going to continue to find these amazing bargains and only put things in our house that Josh and I agree on and that add value to it and that make it a really beautiful home that we love being in. So before we transition into some packing tips on the art of minimalism, I would love to say a big shout out and thank you to the sponsor of this episode. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. And it's sexy. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. Here are just a few of the ones Jessica Broom, entrepreneur and FreshBook customer, loves the most. I do all my expenses in there. I have, you know, I use the app on my phone and I have a little ritual. Like every time I get on a plane, I'll take the, while I'm waiting for the plane to take off, I will do all my expenses from that day with all my receipts from the airport or whatever. I like that I'm able to do expenses in all different currencies and like instantly on my phone. So I never have that like get back from a trip and have, you know, seven days of receipts build up. I think the time tracking is great sometimes, you know, rarely, but occasionally I will bill hourly and I like being able to just track my time like to the minute and then have it convert right into an invoice. That's super cool. Yeah, I really love that. So your clients always know you're being truly legit with what you've done. Truly honest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go to freshbooks.com forward slash quest and check out their full list of amazing features. Then sign up and save yourself time and money today. Just enter quest for freedom where it says, how did you hear about us? I'd really appreciate it. And so would they. 
As the suitcase entrepreneur, and yes, I am still a suitcase entrepreneur, even though I'm moving into a house, I just wanted to pass on some packing tips. And once again, I'd love to bring you back into a short conversation that I had with my lovely mum, who I have to say is an impeccable packer. It sounds really odd, but yeah, impeccable packer. And I definitely have witnessed her since being a kid packing for our entire family. And we used to travel really light considering there were the four of us. And she now packs even lighter just for herself. It's it's quite incredible. And between us, we often look like that, you know, overachieving pair at the airport if we ever go on our girls' trip together to Melbourne at the start of each year to see the tennis. I think we've been 14 times together or something. But we just pack so little. And it never ceases to amaze me at what people pack. Like, do they fit the kitchen sink inside their suitcase? And if so... How do they fit their actual clothes and the things that they really need on the trip in and around it? All right, might be uh, might be taking the piss a little there, but it does really astound me, and it also astounds my mother. Here's some tips from the packing queen and her daughter. I credit her for everything that I do when it comes to being a suitcase entrepreneur. But we do have quite different styles, so listen in. Because I think since I was two years old, you and Dad took my sister and I on round-the-world tours and trips, which was amazing, and we no doubt learnt off you how to pack really well. And I think people still marvel now when they see how I live out of a suitcase, but then you take, you know, often a a really small suitcase. (laughs) Yeah, and Mm. I know you used to pack for Dad as well because he was like, oh, Gene has just grated it. In one one suitcase, one medium, not even a a really big one. Yes, Yeah. and half of that we wouldn't use. Mm. And yet we, when we had bed and breakfast and people would come and they'd come in these enormous cases yeah. and one would have a, a big case each plus overnight bags and God knows yeah. what. And it's I crazy. used to think, my God, and they're only coming for two or three weeks <laughs> and we would be away for eight weeks. Yeah. So what's your tips for the art of packing light? Well, for underwear, one clean, one on, one used. Mm-hmm. That's only three of everything, which is easy. Really? And, oh, gosh. Yeah. I, take, I actually take two weeks worth of underwear because they're do quite it. small and thin, and that means if I can't find a washing machine or do my own washing for two weeks, I've always got yeah, underwear. Yeah, I, I must admit I take a few more underpants, but for Dad and that worked for him. Shoes, a good pair of walking shoes, something that's comfortable if you go out at night, and maybe some sandals or something, depending on the weather where you're going and um, if you're traveling to lots of places it doesn't matter whether you wear the same thing every second or third day the people haven't seen it before Mm. I always felt that you wear you take with you your favorite things that you feel comfortable in and just something good at night maybe oh I found men were so easy because they just have trousers and a shirt and (laughs) a jumper but women always seem to have to have more but uh, even that, yeah, just a couple of tops or something, and the rest is just casual. And things are very casual these days, aren't they? So, well, it depends if you're going to a, yeah. a business event or, or oh, something yes, a bit more fancy. Oh, yes, that's different. But if you're, yeah, yeah. if you're just going on a holiday, it's, it is casual. And what about toiletries? What's your tip? Yeah, I sometimes think that's all a bit too much. But basically, again, I take what I wear every day mm-hmm. and suntan lotion and... yeah. That's a biggie because suntan lotion is expensive in a lot of countries. Mm. Yeah. And shampoo and... In the smaller bottles. Yeah. 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 I think you're really good at 
and I do the same, putting everything into small bottles because it can last or weeks. Buy. I sometimes buy when I'm in England because mm. they have the, the smaller bottles, whereas mm. you don't get it so much in New Zealand or wherever. Mm. Oh, you do now. Yeah, yeah lots you do. travel, yeah. Mm. Uh, anything else in terms of where you pack stuff? Because I know a lot of people, I mean, I, we all have different ways. Some people use packing squares. I have a two-sided suitcase, so I put my better clothes and my slightly more evening clothes and good mm. day wear on the left-hand side and all my sports gear and yoga gear and sports stuff and flip-flops and toiletries go on the other side. Yeah, yeah, you've got a good system, but I sort of use my suitcase as a, a drawer. I fold things so neatly and pack it in a way that I remember Auntie Jill used to say, did you just iron that? I said, no, I got it out of my suitcase. Oh, I definitely didn't pick up on that skill from you. Yeah. Actually, they were always fascinated with that. It's just my way of packing. Mm. Hmm. So You also iron good. your sheets at home. <laughs> so no, I don't. Only B&B. Oh, for Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Gosh, no. <laughs> well, thank That's... you. Those are the tips from the suitcase entrepreneur's mum. So I hope that those tips are helpful to you if you are really having trouble when you're traveling the world and you really just can't pack light. A couple of other tips I'd love to throw in there is put everything that you want to pack into your suitcase or your backpack on the bed before you go. Then once again, do one more ruthless run through. So if you've ended up with four black t-shirts and three pairs of beige shorts, can you just not take one of each? And if you've put five beautiful dresses out, and you're only going away for a week, could you not just take three and a shawl so that you can change up the look? And then put them into your suitcase or bag. And if you find it still too full, take it all out and do the same ruthless routine again. A couple more tips. You can buy anything you need typically in the place that you're going to. So if you're going to go from a summer environment to a winter environment, I wouldn't necessarily pack all the things that you need for winter. I would buy them in the country that you're in before you go to the other country or have just enough warm layers that as you get there you can stock up on anything you need. The only caveat on that is sunscreen. As I mentioned when I was chatting to mum, it can be really, really expensive in other countries. And obviously alongside that are your pills or your tablets or your supplements, whatever you really truly can't do without that is specialist or you need to get from your doctor or maybe a herbalist or a, something that you're working with, I would definitely take those with you, but just take the quantity that you need. So, for example, on this trip to Bali, I took a couple of supplements and vitamins and I put them all in one supplement container. So I didn't need to take six or seven containers. And the final tip for me is layers. That's layers, baby. So layering of your clothes allows you to be warmer because you can just put more and more layers on, but it doesn't add huge bulk to your suitcase. I particularly love Kathmandu and Icebreaker products. Icebreaker is merino wool. keeps you incredibly warm, wicks away any sweat, dries super quickly, and you can wear it for an entire year without washing it and it still won't smell. Uh, if you don't believe me, Sir Peter Blake who is unfortunately no longer with us in this world, who um, sailed around the world and set many world records and is a, a hero in New Zealand, wore his icebreaker kit on the sailing yacht for a full year and it never smelt and he never had to wash it. So if you're really going for long-term traveling or you want lightweight yet warm and efficient and trendy icebreaker all the way, they should really sponsor this podcast because they're awesome. And finally... 
rolling. So there are a lot of people who pack in squares and they pack in these sort of little, they're actually called packing squares and you can put clothes in them and then you can seal them and you can compress them down and you can fit way more in your suitcase, which is great. I've never done it. I've never felt the need to take so many clothes that I have to compress them down. And then also I haven't really felt the desire to unpack and uncompress all these squares. But it is handy if you want to maximize your space efficiently. But I love rolling clothes. One, it stops them from creasing. And two, it actually does take up less space in your suitcase. So uh, those are my final tips on packing light and the art of of minimalism. I would obviously love for you to share yours. So come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash eight. That is the digit eight. And please, in the comments, share what you liked about this episode, share any tips you have. Tell me if you're a hoarder or a minimalist. Just really like get in there, get in there and give me your tips. Now, this is the final episode of season one where we've been investigating personal freedom. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Oh, my guests have just arrived for my upcoming birthday. So they've come up into the hills of Ubud where we're all going to spend the next couple of days celebrating my birthday. And then I'll be back with season two either in April or in May. So stay tuned. If you don't see any episodes or new releases, it's not because I don't love you. It's because I'm taking a business sabbatical. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll be back with season two of Quest for Freedom.